Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Corinthians 14, we have been speaking extensively now on the subject of speaking in tongues, the ability, the power, the privilege of praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues, an unknown language, a heavenly tongue, a heavenly language. It's referenced in many different ways in Scripture, but at the end of the day, we are talking about the capacity and ability of the Holy Spirit to come alongside us and assist us in prayer. Ultimately, that's what we're breaking it down to. It's the Holy Spirit coming alongside us and assisting us in prayer. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, 14 and verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Romans chapter 8, keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 14. Romans chapter 8, just kind of want to pick up on some verses that we touched on the last time we were together last week. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Romans 8 and verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Now, if you recall Jesus, when he introduced the disciples to the Holy Spirit in John 15, John 16, John 17, John 14, 14, 15, 16, 17, those last moments that Jesus had with his disciples, if you recall, he called the Holy Spirit the what? Helper. Helper. Multiple times he used the word helper, assistant, standby, one that comes alongside and brings aid. So it's no wonder that we now see Paul writing to us, telling us that the Holy Spirit will assist us, help us in our weakness, in our weakness. I don't need help with the strength. I need help where I'm weak. I need help in what I cannot do on my own. I need help in what I do not have the capacity to fulfill. And so we saw this last week that the Holy Spirit wants to assist us specifically in the realm of our prayers. The Holy Spirit is given to us to assist us with our prayers. And so when I'm yielding to the Spirit's assistance in my prayer life, it can come out in the form of an unknown language or a supernatural language. And so where we get hung up on with with tongues, a lot of times is just the, the whole variable of I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know how I'm producing this language. I don't know how I'm formulating this language or these words. I don't comprehend with my mind what's being said. And so, you know, really, you know, people become afraid of the unknown. Become afraid of the unknown. I've said this before, I think I even mentioned it last week, that if it weren't for, you know, praying in tongues or praying in an unknown language, we'd be getting people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit left and right. Where they get hung up is, is, is the mental capacity to understand and comprehend. Well, we're talking about supernatural abilities. Amen. We're talking about what is beyond the natural, what is in the realm of the unknown, and 
I mean, if we have to know and understand everything, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, that our knowing gets in the way of our believing. The need to understand gets in the way of my ability to, by faith, receive something and walk in that. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of elements. This isn't the only one. A lot of elements in the Christian walk that are going to be beyond our understanding. Have y'all come across any of those? Absolutely. That's because it's supernatural. And God wants to make normal to us what is normal to him. Miracles are normal to God. To us, it's the supernatural. But to God, it's just the way that it ought to be. It's just the way that it is. Eyes opening, blind eyes being able to see again. Lame legs walking after 40 years of not walking. Uh, dumb or, or deaf ears opening, dumb mouths speaking. That's not unusual to God. And tongues is not unusual to God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get used to the way things are. I want to expect the unusual things to me to become usual in my life. So let's just open our hearts to the supernatural. Let's open our hearts to the things that might be beyond our comprehension. Let's open our hearts to the things that might be beyond my thinking and beyond my capacity. That dem- I want to live a life that demands the work of the Holy Spirit day in and day out. That's the way I want to live. That's the way I want to live. In these days like this, I don't know about you, I've found out I can't, I can't do it on my own. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to address or handle. And, and if I were to do it on my own, I'd mess it all up. But thank God we have a helper. And so when we're talking about tongues, it's really just about opening your heart up to living beyond the natural. I mean, think about it this way. If God gave us the capacity to, to, to speak in tongues or to pray beyond our ability, don't you think we should make use of that? Don't you think we should make use of that? And the second, on the flip side, if the enemy is attacking it so much and, and clouding it so much and, and causing so much angst, doesn't, isn't that an indicator that it maybe it's something he doesn't want us to use? <laughs> If my enemy's trying to talk me out of something God gave me, that's an indicator that this might be pretty important. This might be pretty vital. Amen. So we need to have an open heart to these things to receive what God is wanting to do. And teaching is a great way to get this understanding. Teaching by the word of God. Notice I haven't given you personal experiences. I've got a lot of them. I'm not giving you stories. I'm not giving you, oh, the church I grew up in or what my past. I'm giving you the word. For four solid weeks, I've given you the word on this subject. The word. And so let's just believe the word. Tonight, I want to walk you through, um, what do I have here? Six. Six benefits of praying in the Spirit. Six benefits of praying in tongues. Because, man, I believe if you see the benefit, you'll quit denying its, its power. And you'll say, give me that. I want that. I want more of that. I want all of that. I want all of what God has for me. I want all of it. I, this isn't a pick and choose. We're not going through some kind of supernatural grocery store. You know, I don't need this. I don't need that. I'll, be getting, I'll, I'll spend a little less money on a cheaper brand, right? I won't get the Kellogg's version. I'll get the 
you know, what, Walmart brand? Members Mark? Is that, is that the Sam's Club brand, Members Mark? I want all that God has, and I'll pay whatever price it takes to get it. Number one, benefits of speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. Number one, it's a supernatural way to speak to God. A supernatural way to speak to God. We have to remember prayer in and of itself is conversing with God. It's having a conversation. And and honestly, part of the damage that has been done to tongues is a misunderstanding or misuse in the purpose and value of prayer in and of itself. So if we better understand prayer, then I'll also see the need and value for praying in the Spirit. And prayer is not just this last resort, let me come to God because everything else has failed me. Let me get God to bail me out. This isn't God's bailout program. Prayer is literally communication and conversation with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. You have a direct line to the throne room. You have direct access boldly with grace coming before his throne. And I can communicate with him. You know, prayer, one of the values, probably the key value of prayer is knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and I always find it interesting that, you know, of all the things that Jesus' disciples could say, Jesus, teach us. Right? Jesus, teach us to walk on water. Jesus, teach us to heal the sick. Jesus, teach us to raise the dead. No, that's not what they said. In Matthew chapter 6, they said, Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Apparently, they saw that the reason why he can heal the sick, raise the dead, walk on water, was directly, directly connected, correlated to his prayer life. See, what we do in private is revealed in public. What Jesus did behind the scenes was the essence of the power that we saw in demonstration in public. But we didn't have the public if he didn't have the private. We don't see the signs and the wonders if he doesn't have the communication and conversation with God. And so now Paul is telling us that we have a direct line to the throne room in a supernatural way to converse and communicate to God. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Notice this. Now think about it. If God were to give us a supernatural, a new and better way to talk to him, why would we not use that? Why would I not make value of that? Why would I not make use of that? He's giving me, he's saying, look, you can communicate to me in your own language, but man, if you get over in my realm, you can talk to me on my level. So I don't have to just address God from my level, hoping and wishing we're connecting. I can literally connect straight to him, and it's my spirit speaking to him, directly to God. It's a supernatural way to communicate and to converse with God. Not just asking for stuff, not just hoping he'll come through but I'm literally drawing on his power. I'm drawing on his will, and I'm making his will in heaven on earth. 
Isn't that what Jesus said when he responded to his disciples? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Really, if you just really wanted to boil it down, prayer is for the purpose of bringing heaven to earth. Not a bailout program. I'm sick. Lord, heal me. I got a bill coming up in three three days, and I don't have enough fine. We can do those things. The Bible tells us to make our requests and our petitions known to him, but it's bigger than that. It's better than that. It's conversation and communication with the king. And now, not only that, I can literally connect with them on his level in the spirit, the Holy Spirit praying out through me. It's a supernatural way to communicate and converse with God. It says, for no one understands there in verse 2, but in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. The second benefit, and this kind of hidden there in that same verse, think about it. If this is a supernatural way to speak to God, and it says that in his spirit, he speaks mysteries, that means it's unknown. It's, it, uh, we defined this last week, the word mystery. Let me pull it back up. The word mystery meant not obvious to natural understanding. Not obvious to natural understanding. Not obvious to natural understanding. It means hidden things. That word mysteries in the Greek is defined as hidden things. So let me give you the second benefit. The devil doesn't know what you're saying. How would you like to pray and communicate with God in a way that your enemy has no clue what's going on? I mean, you sold me right there. Give me, tell me, where do I sign? What do I need to do? Come on now. We can pray in a way that the enemy has no idea the, the plan of attack, what God's trying to accomplish, what the will is, what the purpose is. And yeah, maybe I don't understand, but he doesn't understand either. You're literally keeping the enemy out of the conversation and the communication. I mean, I tell you what, if you're ever struggling in your prayer life with, with just attention and focus and, and, and you feel like, man, you're just being bombarded, pray in the Spirit. Get in the Spirit. Get over in the Spirit. Let your spirit man do the work and pray mysteries. Pray unknown things is what Paul is saying. So number one, you're communicating supernaturally directly with God. Number two, the enemy doesn't know, the devil doesn't know what you're saying, what you're praying. All right, number three. Number three, prayer beyond understanding. Prayer beyond understanding. I want us to quit saying something when we talk about tongues and the ability to comprehend and the ability to know. I want us to stop saying praying without understanding. Because what that focuses on is what I don't know. It focuses on what I'm limited in. No, I want us to start calling it praying beyond understanding. You see the difference? Now I'm praying, it's not a limitation, it's 
unlimited. I just took the limits off of my prayer. I'm now praying beyond my capacity, beyond my comprehension, beyond my ability to understand. See, if we quit telling, if we keep telling, yeah, when you pray in tongues, uh, you know, you're praying without the understanding. Then they're like, well, why would I want to do that? But if you let them know, you can pray beyond your understanding. You can pray in, in areas and in realms that you can't tap into on your own. Man, get me there. I want to pray beyond my understanding because I, I'm not that smart. I don't have it all together. I, I don't have enough degrees. I don't have enough study. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough experience to get me where God needs me to be. But I can tap into a realm. He's already there. You know, the Holy Spirit never prays a wrong prayer. I've prayed enough wrong prayers. For the rest of my life, I've prayed enough wrong prayers. He never prays a wrong. He always prays the perfect prayer. Who knows the spirit of a man? Who knows the mind of a man but the spirit? Man, what? The Holy Spirit isn't trying to get to God. He is God. He's there. He's there. So I'm not praying without understanding. I'm praying beyond understanding, beyond comprehension. That's the third benefit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, again, I want to look at this in the amplified version. It will be on the screen behind me. In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what, to, what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time. So not only is he covering the right subject matter, he's covering the right timing as well. Not only is he covering the content, he's also covering we're right on time. That, that's, that's important. He intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people, here it is, and in accordance with God's will. My goodness. Look at this in the Passion Translation, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. My gosh, that's, that's everything we want in prayer. That's everything we're, we're desiring, we're longing for. Pastor Mark, I want to know God's will. No, you don't want to just know God's will. You want to pray in alignment with God's will. And what greater way to do it than Pray in the whole. I believe that 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 many of the solutions and many of the answers we're believing for and looking for are a time spent praying in the spirit away from us. I believe that. 
based on this verse, based on the, the, the connection that Paul is giving us, that, that what we're longing for and striving for and searching for is a moment away if we would take time to pray in the Spirit. Take time to pray in the Spirit. That's how necessary this is. Praying beyond our understanding. Don't want to go there. 1 Corinthians 14, go back over there. You're going to just kind of keep yourself here between these two passages a little bit. 1 Corinthians 14. Remember, we said last week, and I am, I've put it in my notes that we are going to address the public use of tongues and how tongues edifies and builds up the church. But remember, my primary effort through these lessons and through this study is so that we can engage better privately in our, in our personal private use of tongues in a, in a daily basis. Because here's what we do, here's what the church uh, is not good at, taking this there. We worship here. We sing here. We pray here. We're in the word here. But how much of that are we doing there, at home, in your own personal devotion? And I'm telling you right now, we, we cannot do what God has called us to do in the last days if the only times that we're engaging Christian life activities is in this room. It's not going to work. If we have to sing in our house. You have to be in the word when you don't have a pastor or a teacher in front of you. You're going to have to pray when it's not a corporate draw to pray. You're going to have to sing in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. You're going to have to declare and confess. You're going to have to be bold out there just as you are in here. And so I want this to be something you're taking there. And that was the primary purpose of tongues in the first place. So we'll look at the corporate uses and the corporate benefits because as Paul does in 1 Corinthians 14, he contrasts the public use with the private use. Remember, 1 Corinthians 14 is written to correct public misuses. That's the whole reason that chapter was written. And we said this last week that there's no other gift of the Spirit out of the nine gifts of the Spirit. There is no other gift of the Spirit that has a whole chapter dedicated to outlining how it should be used. That tells me that 2,000 years ago, they were messing it up just as bad as we're messing it up today. There was enough misunderstanding back then that Paul said, I'm going to give you a whole chapter on it. You ain't missing it. I'm going I'm to break this down for you. And in the process of defining the public use, he also shows us some uh, uh, critical items, critical elements of tongues in private use. So look at this in verse 14. Again, I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. It just really breaks it down for us. Verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive because it does not understand what my spirit is praying. Then what am I to do? I will pray with the spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will pray with the mind using words I understand. Remember, Paul is not writing this chapter to refute the use of tongues, to reject the use of tongues. He's helping us understand its purpose and use in different categories, in different um, um, elements. So in a, in a public environment, we're not going to use tongues the same way that we would 
in a private environment, in our own personal way. But again, he's not rejecting it and saying, cut that stuff out. You're not supposed to be doing that. That's, that's a myth. That's a misunderstanding that a lot of people have, have received from First. If anything, he's encouraging the use. You go back to the very first verse and what very first verse, and he says what? Desire, earnestly desire, passionately, zealously desire spiritual gifts. He's doing the exact opposite of refusing it and rejecting it. He's saying, you need to be going after this, but we need to use it in the right capacity. He says, what am I to do? I'll pray with the Spirit. I'll pray with my mind. I will sing with the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit that is within me, and I will sing with the mind using words I understand. Otherwise, if you bless and give thanks to God in the Spirit only, how will any outsider or someone who is not gifted in spiritual matters say the amen of agreement to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough in a way that God is glorified, but the other person who does not understand you, is not edified and spiritually strengthened since he cannot join in your thanksgiving. Verse 18, Paul says this, I thank God that I speak, that I speak in unknown tongues more than all of you. And if you read this chapter thoroughly, you find out they they were speaking in tongues a lot. And he says, I outdo even you guys. They were doing it so much that they ended up using it incorrectly. And Paul says, I still got you beat. (laughs) That's something else. He's not talking to a church that isn't using tongues, isn't speaking tongues. He's talking to a church that's overly using it. And he says, I've got all y'all beat. But I do it in the right way, is what he's saying. Nevertheless, in public worship, I would rather say five understandable words in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue which others cannot understand. So we recognize that he's uh, identifying in these passages, point number three, we're praying beyond understanding. He is admonishing and he's, he's, he's telling the church, when you pray in an unknown language, Yeah, your mind is unfruitful. And it's not because God is hiding something from you. It's because you're tapping into a place that your mind hasn't even gotten yet. So that's what I want you to see out of those verses there. Number four, and we looked at this last week, so I'm not going to stay here very long. Number four, the fourth benefit, you're praying with the Holy Spirit's assistance. You're praying with the Holy Spirit's assistance. Again, John 14. 15, 16, 17, Jesus tells his disciples, I am going to the Father. I'm ascending to heaven, but I will leave you a comforter, a counselor, the spirit of truth, the helper. And he will come alongside you, and he will bring aid. That, um, that word, uh, where were we? Last week, Romans chapter 8. Just write it down. You don't need to flip over there. But the word helps in Romans chapter 8 in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps. Just want to give you that definition again. It means to take hold of, opposite, together. That word helps means to take hold of, opposite, 
together. So the Holy Spirit isn't praying in place of us. The Holy Spirit is praying alongside of us. He doesn't come in and do it for us. We still have a role to play. I'm not checking out and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, you take it. No, I'm asking him to come along. I need your help with this. I need your assistance. Remember, if we had a table here and I pick up one end and I ask Elena to go down and pick up the other, she's going, she's helping me opposite, but together. She's getting the other end, I'm getting this end. So you're asking the Holy Spirit, you take that end and I'll get this end and we're going to get this thing done together. Y'all got me? So he's the helper. He assists. He comes alongside and aids us. Okay? That's the fourth benefit. Number five. Number five. You strengthen your spirit. The, the fifth benefit of praying in tongues or praying in the spirit, praying in an unknown language. Again, th this is another benefit. I'm like, man, if I need to do that to build myself up, then Man, let me get there. There's plenty of times I'm weary. Plenty of times I'm tired. But Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter, Jude, verse 20. Jude, <clears throat> verse 20. It's right before Revelation. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved. Is that you? Are you the beloved? Are you in the beloved? Yes, you are. You're in the beloved. He says what? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Here it is. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That's the same term that Paul uses when he talks about praying in the the Spirit, or praying with the Spirit. All the same terms. Praying in the Holy Spirit literally builds ourselves up. It's a spiritual workout. There's times that I'll switch over to praying in the Spirit, not even to try to accomplish something, not even to try to pray particularly about something, but for spiritual development. Building yourselves up in your most holy faith. That means solidifying yourself in what you already know. It's no wonder that this comes right before the book of Revelation. That's about to outline end times, about to outline what is to come. And he says, look, this is what you're going to need in the last days. You're going to need to pray in the Spirit and build yourself up because there's plenty that is out to get you. There's plenty that's out to attack you. There's plenty that is out. You know how many people read the book of Revelation and they become fearful? The Revelations wasn't written to scare you. It was written to prepare you. And there's nothing on this planet that ought to scare us. Not the church. Not the church of the living God. There, there's a popular song uh, out there that, that says, um, um, oh, what is it? Something about I have fear or my fear. My fear doesn't stand a chance. My fear? I don't have fear. I don't have fear. Fear doesn't have me and I don't have it. I'm not claiming that over my life. See, we got to be careful of the stuff we sing. 
I don't care if it's trendy, if it's a top you know, 100 billboard, Dove Award, Grammy winning. I don't care. If it's not biblical, it's missing out on the greatest award of all time. It needs to align with the Word of God. Don't sing my fear. I, you don't have fear. You don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And a fearful church cannot combat the mess that's out there right now. Why fearful churches are closing doors. That's why fearful churches are requiring all kinds of goofiness just to get in the building like everybody else is. Don't even get me started on all that. They just arrested a pastor in Canada six years for keeping his church open when they told him to shut it down. He came to the States. He flew back. The second he got off the plane, they arrested him, took him in. And we think that, you know, we're so far away from this. Coming to a state near you. No, we ain't doing that mess. I don't fear man. I don't fear viruses. I don't fear stuff. I don't fear government. I don't fear economies. I don't fear money. I don't fear people. I don't fear nothing. I don't have a fear. I got a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind, and I pray in the spirit to build myself up. Sure, it might try to come on me, but I start praying in the spirit, and I get over into a place where I can fight that thing off, which is my next point. Number six, praying in the spirit is spiritual warfare. It's spiritual warfare. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul is outlining what y'all may know as the armor of God, right? You know, finally, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might, put on the armor of God that you may be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy, the strategies, the schemes of the enemy, right? We just got done talking about all that. And then in verse 18, he says this, right after the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, he says in uh, verse 18, we don't really throw this in with the armor of God. I mean, they didn't have that on the drawing when I was a kid. But verse 18 says this, with all prayer, everyone say all prayer, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times, here it is, in the spirit. You see that? He qualifies it. He defines what kind of prayer we're talking about. In the spirit. And with this in view, here it is, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. With all prayer and petition. Pray at all times in the spirit. That means Um, that we are using the Spirit's aid or the Spirit's assistance. Now, let me tell you this. You can pray in English with the Spirit's assistance. It doesn't have to be in an unknown tongue. But I can tell you right now, the greatest way to yield to that is pray in an unknown tongue. It removes your mental capacity out of it completely. But I can pray in, he says, pray at all times with all prayer. Um, One translation puts it this way. uh, The... New living. New living. Says pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. I must not have put it in here. There's another translation that says pray with all kinds of prayer. 
there are different kinds of prayer. And one of those kinds of prayer is praying in an unknown language. It's, a, it's not the only way to pray, but it is a kind of prayer. And he says, even with that, pray in the spirit. Pray with the assistance, the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, he goes on and he says, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. In the New American Standard, he said, and with this in view, be on the alert. There's that word again, alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Now, remember, he just got done uh, uh, outlining the um, armor of God for us. He just got done telling us that the enemy has schemes and strategies. He just got done telling us that we need to withstand and resist and refuse those attacks of the enemies to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. He just went through all this. So he's still in the context of warfare. He's in the context of being battle ready. He's in the context of arming yourself. And one great offensive way that we can attack the works of the enemy is praying in the spirit. This word alert, I looked it up. This word alert in the Greek means this, to be sleepless. To be sleepless, to be awake, attentive, and ready. To be awake, attentive, and ready. It means to be sleepless, to be awake. Awake, church. Not awoke, <laughs> church. Church needs to get woke up and get awake. Wake up. We need a church to rise up. We need a church to wake up. We need a church to challenge the things that are coming down. We need a church that will stand for truth. We need a church that won't have stuff get past them, but are standing alert, attentive, and ready. You know, I, I don't know if that describes the American church, but I think we've got some work to do. I think we've got some work to do. And how can we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And every church that has denied the power and the work of the Holy Spirit will answer for why you were asleep when the day drew near. You're asleep. No, we need to wake up. We need to be alert. We need to be attentive. We need to be ready. This is our spiritual warfare. I'm telling you, it, it, it is a great way to do battle. And you feel like it. I was just talking to someone. Yeah, they're, they're not here. I was just talking to someone Sunday. So the Lord woke them up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And didn't even know why. So they just went to praying in the Spirit. Man, that is a great thing to do when you don't know what to do. Pray in the Spirit. And she said, she literally said this. She told me this. She said, I felt like I was doing battle. Didn't even know why. Said she literally felt like she was at war. She felt like she had boxing gloves on. She felt like she was in a contest. She felt like she was championing over some. And then she said this, and this, is, this will happen. She said, and then I felt a release, and I could go back to bed. 
and you will feel a release and you will have peaceful rest. You'll know when you've accomplished. You'll know when you've done. You'll know when you've stood. You'll know when you've resisted. You'll know when you have withstood an attack. You'll know when you've done battle. You've gone to war. I mean, Kenneth Hagin tells a story, you know, that the Lord did the same thing to him, woke him up in the middle of the night, went to praying in the spirit, had no idea what was going on, felt a release. It wasn't long, maybe 30, 45 minutes he was praying, felt a release, went back to bed. Next morning, woke up. Back then, you know, you're talking the 30s, 40s, found out the next morning that his brother had fallen off of a ladder while working and was in critical condition at the hospital. Had no idea that his brother had this accident. No way to get a hold of him and let him know that. I mean, no one no text messages and, you know, cell phones. His brother lived through it. His brother came through it, and he knew in that moment, he knew then, that's why I was woken up in the middle of the night. You don't know what your prayers in the spirit can be combating, warring against, challenging, standing against, overcoming, defeating. But, man, it's an element of spiritual warfare. He says, with all prayer, all kinds of prayer, we can be going to war. You're going to put on the helmet. You're going to take up the shield. You're going to put on the belt. You're going to shod your feet. You're going to do the, the breastplate of righteousness and, and, and all these things, the sword of the Spirit. Take up praying in the Spirit. Go to war in the Spirit. What did we just talk about? We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And I love how he goes on to say, but mighty for pulling down. You know what that tells me? Our carnal weapons are not mighty. So by contrast, he says, our carnal weapons, they're not mighty. But our spiritual weapons are mighty and powerful for pulling down strongholds. We need to pray in the spirit about stuff that we're seeing today. We need to pray in the spirit about things that need to be addressed. That doesn't mean we don't do something in English about it, but I'm telling you, if you really want to battle it on the right level, you've got to attack it on the right level. And we're fighting spiritual battles with natural means and getting wore out every time and accomplishing nothing. Accomplishing nothing. But man, when we war in the spirit, praying in the spirit, doing damage to the enemy's kingdom in the spirit. Man, we can make so much headway. It's time for the church to awake. It's time for the church to become alert. It's time for the church to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you tonight for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not kooky. It's not weird. It's not something that's just this unknown realm. Father, it's beyond our com comprehension, beyond our natural ability to discern, to war, to even understand. But Father, we are doing mighty things for the kingdom when we use our heavenly unknown prayer language. So Father, we thank you for these opportunities that we can do this ourselves. We thank you we can come together corporately and, and engage this way. We thank you for this powerful way to pray. Pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray using this form of prayer to combat the works of the enemy. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. 
If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.